Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Bald Guy Podcast with your host, Jeff Brown, and our guest, David Schaefer. Hi, everybody. This is another Bald Guy Audio with David Schaefer, my EIUL expert. David, can you quickly explain the various indexes you use for EIUL policies? Certainly. All the different companies have different types of options you can have. But let me back up a little bit before we get into uh, what the Minnesota Life Policy has. First of all, you have to understand with these policies, you're not actually investing in the market. It's the insurance companies that's doing the investing. They're simply giving you an interest credit that's connected to the movement of a stock index or a group of stock indexes with a couple caveats on that. One is you never take the negative numbers. If the stock index or group of indexes go below zero, you get a big fat zero. And on the upside, they all have cap rates that are set at different places. So, for example, my favorite option has a 17% cap rate. So you know that every year, depending on how those group of indexes move, you're going to get somewhere between zero and 17%. So just with that background in mind, the other thing you need to understand is that you can switch these. If you start off with one, you only have to last in long enough for it to complete that leg, which in almost all cases is 12 months. There is one option that's a three-year or 36-month option. You wouldn't be able to change out within those three years. But so whatever decision you make up front is good basically for a year. At the end of the year, if you want to make another decision, you can. So I don't always advise that you keep switching back and forth. So having said that, my favorite, uh, as you probably know if you've listened to a few of these before, is uh, the Minnesota Life, and they have five options. They have a fixed rate option, which is what no one should be doing in this product because it's just a small interest rate, especially in low interest rate environments like we are now. They have an S&P 500 option, which is just mimicking the S&P 500 index. They have a what they call a blended option. In that blended option, they have 35% in the S&P 500. They have 35% in Barclays Aggregate Bond Fund, 20% in Euro stocks, and 10% in the Russell 2000. So it's a group of indexes, in other words. And finally, they have just to, you can invest just in the Euro stock 50, which is, uh, for those of you who don't know, that's the 50 biggest companies or best companies within Europe. So those are your options. You can move in and out of them as each leg exits, so for almost all of them. Oh, I'm sorry, I did forget one. The three-year option, they have an S&P 500 that has a three-year option, but I do not advise that because I simply don't like people to go three years without getting any uh, index credit. So that's why I kind of slipped my mind there for a second. But uh, you have all those options you can move in and out. Now, for me, I always look back and say, well, What's the 25-year look back for these different options? What if you had invested into a EIUL 25 years ago? What would be your average interest rate credits on these? For the S&P 500, at its current cap rate, and we can get into cap rates if uh, we want to a little bit later, or maybe that might be better for another uh, one of these. Um, but S&P 500, for the last 25 years, uh, your average would have been 8.09%. For the 140% S&P 500, which is 7.01%, and I'll go back and explain that one a little bit. For the blended, it's 9.26%, and for the euro stock, it's 8.16%. So those are the 25 look-backs on those. Um, I tend to suggest this. 
I tend to suggest that history is a good guidance for this particular case. So I suggest people put themselves into the blended. 9.26% over 25 years gives me a lot of confidence, gives you a lot of margin of error within that. It doesn't do quite as well over the next 25 years. Chances are it's going to be fairly close to that. So that's a little bit about the indexes. I did want to explain the 140% a little bit. That has a lower cap rate than the normal S&P 500. But what they will do is they'll give you 140% of the uh, index movement. So if it moves 5% up, you're going to get a 7% interest credit on that. But it does have a little lower cap rate on that. And the only reason that people would want to be in that is if they think that over a certain period of time that the index is not going to move in large amounts. It's only going to move in small amounts to be within less than zero to 10%, so to say. And so then you would get an extra 40% in those years that doesn't uh, move a large amount. Um, I don't particularly like that. I do have some clients that do, and I don't really know why, to be honest with you, but, <laughs> but there is some. So I hope that answers your question, Jeff. It does. Outside of uh, what you find out in your 25-year lookbacks, which, by the way, is about as empirical uh, of data as you can get. Yeah, well, you know me, Jeff. You know how empirical I am. Yep, yep, you and me. They call me Mr. Literal here in San Diego. Outside, is there any other factors that would cause you to choose one index over another outside of the actual rate that you found in the 25-year lookbacks? I'll tell you a factor that some clients find a little off-putting about the uh, blended one. And it doesn't really bother me, and I'll tell you why at the end of the day. But I have some clients because they have 35% in the Barclay Bond Fund, and everyone knows that uh, bonds right now are a little overvalued because interest rates are so absolutely low. So they're a little worried that when interest rates go up, that that will reduce the credit within that one. I'm not so worried about that because I have looked historically, and when interest rates move up, they usually do pretty fast. And small movements aren't going to hurt you that much. The big movements will because it will drive the price of bonds down. At the same time, it usually happens pretty fast over a 12- or 18-month time period. And usually it's time when um, stocks are doing absolutely nuts. And so that usually overwhelms whatever losses within the bond market you have. But I can certainly understand if someone's worried about that. In fact, I have a client right now that's, that's a little worried about that. So we just put them into the S&P 500. So that would be an example of why someone might not want to choose one over another. I said before I have some that have predicted that there's not going to be any large movements within the stock market over the next few years. So they put themselves in the 140%. But here's my big caveat. If you put yourself into the predicting game, you're going to lose. And so that's why I tell people, look at what's happened historically. 25 years is a good long period of time. It covers several recessions, including the last major one, and, and several uh, years of really good times. So that should be a pretty good guide for the future. So I don't see any reason why someone wouldn't just go with what's worked the best in the past. But certainly, if you're going to start changing every year or two, you're going to hurt yourself because none of us are able to really predict what's going to happen in the future. Amen, brother. Dave, do you ever change indexes uh, during the, the life of an EIUL? And if you do, why? Um, I don't like to. 
I don't believe you can accurately predict what's going to happen in the future, so I think you should make a decision on which one you like and um, and go with that and hang with that even through the good times and the bad times because over long periods of time, and remember, we're always talking about long periods of time when we're talking about EIULs, it all pretty much comes out in the wash. Certainly, over a short period of time, one index might work a little bit better than the others, but over the long period of time, they'll all be pretty close to what they historically have been. And so uh, my my suggestion would be don't try to outthink yourself, so to speak. Now, does age or, or gender or how long you're paying premiums affect how you might pick the index that they would be using? No. Um, and the reason, again, is we're never thinking short term with these things. And so uh, it doesn't really matter. As far as uh, gender, it makes absolutely no difference because it doesn't affect anything at all. You know, the only thing would be uh, if someone was – very old, and they only had short-term thinking, and those people not going to get involved in the EIO anyway. So, okay, you know, historically, uh, you've told us that at least the last 25 years, if, if memory serves, you said the blended index has has worked out best. Just a just a hint over nine percent the last 25 years. Has that always been the case? When you look back uh, from from the beginning where blended has just always outperformed them, or have they recently moved into that position? When you're looking back 25 years, you can say that that's a pretty long period of time. And I'm sure, and when I looked at it, I'm pretty sure I remember this, that there are some periods of time where one will outperform the other. However, you have to be able to predict that this is one of those times or whenever you want to make that move. And so uh, since I find that impossible, I, it, you kind of put yourself into a, kind of a weird spot and trying to predict and saying, well, over this, in this type of an environment, this index will do better. That may be true, but who's to know what, what future environment is going to be? So those type of questions, when I get them, I tend to just say, if it were I, I would just lean on history and go for a long period of time, 25, 30 years, whatever you do best on. Um, the reason I use 25 is because some of the indexes in the blended only go back 25 years, or now 26 years now. So, but the S&P 500 certainly goes way back, and 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 the others do too. So, so I suggest just going back uh, far enough so that you have a good range, and making a decision based on that, and and not attempting to predict a future environment. So your crystal ball doesn't work either. No, no, it's failed many a time. So, yeah, and I find that when I react emotionally, um, which we all do, <laughs> uh, and that's when I make my mistakes. So that's why I suggest to people just get careful with it, set it up to the best you possibly can, and then forget about it for a while and let it do its thing, and not get too turned up in you know what's going on in the outside environment, whether interest rates are lower or high whether the stock market's going great guns or just treading water or it's just been a terrible year for everybody. None of that stuff should really bother you because you're not taking anything less than zero. So why get caught up in trying to predict? I hear you. I, I have the same policy in what I do. Everybody, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the Bald Guy Podcast with Jeff Brown and our guest, David Schaefer.